Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. So today I thought it would kind of be interesting to talk about spiritual authority. We don't talk about this a lot, and um, I think what you're going to find today is so much of it is tied in with um, how we live from day to day, and, um, and I'm hoping that I can maybe encourage you a little bit in this. So spiritual authority um, is something that um, I feel like we don't operate in enough, right? We don't take authority over things enough that we should take authority over. And uh, I think sometimes we, we um, in our walk, we serve God um, kind of maybe at 50 or 60% of what we could. <laughs> when you get close to 60, that's everyday life. If I can hit 50 or 60%, I'm good. Um, I'm, that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. Um, they don't laugh as much as they do. at the, See, at the harbor, they laugh at me. So they, they're just showing me respect. But anyway. Um, but I, I want you to take notes today, if, if you can. And um, I want to just kind of talk about a few different areas of spiritual authority. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, that we are called to a place. We are called to a place. Now, I think some of this is going to open your eyes in your hearts to maybe why you've been struggling in areas uh, for so long or maybe um, why things aren't breaking open like they should. And um, I know for me it's been a, a, a tremendous eye-opener. There's a dwelling place. Everyone say dwelling place. Or a position in this. You can stop. Um, in the spirit. <laughs> Man, you've got, you've got them trained. This is great. Um, in, there, there, there's this dwelling place or position in the spirit uh, that we hold as believers. It's where we are supposed to live. And with that place or position comes authority. Um, and that authority is what the enemy wants from you. You have to understand that. If he can get you to yield it, then he will take it and use it against you. And so um, it not only affects us, but it affects those that we've been entrusted with, right? So let me just read you just a couple of random scriptures and psalms, um, and, and you kind of see where we're going with this. In Psalm 91.1, uh, he says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Here's another one. He also brought me out into a broad place, he delivered me because he delighted in me. Um, Psalm 26, 12, my foot stands in an even place in the congregation. I will bless the Lord. So believers literally occupy a place in the spirit. And, and it's important that as Christians, we understand what that place is and that we function in it. Would you agree? If you don't know your position, then how are you going to be effective and serving him, right? And so um, that position or authority um, obviously can be taken away from you, and I'll show you that in a minute, but, but even worse, we can give it away. We can give it away. Every time I yield to sin, I am laying down the authority that God has given me. And that's, that's tough, right? 
So think about it. Why did the devil tempt you and I to sin? Was it to, to, to make God mad at us? Uh, was it to get back at God for, for him being thrown out of heaven? Um, was it to ruin our reputation? Well, we know that some of those things naturally happen, but, but it's more than that. So let me, let me illustrate it so that you can get a picture of it. Um, where does sin lead to? Death, right. Sin leads to death. So let's look at Judas, for instance. Judas was one of Jesus' disciples, and we all know that he um, betrayed Jesus. I mean, he crashed and burned big time, and then some, right? Ended up taking his own life. But listen to what Acts one twenty says. It says, for, for, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his what? Place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. See how Judas uh, gave up his place and someone else walked in it. So this is the most common way the enemy works in us. He displaces us from our spiritual authority, our place. And that's why he wants to tempt you, to displace you from your position or authority and what it brings. That's, that's what's going on in the heavenlies. That's what's going on in the spirit world. That's, that's the, the devil's plan is to displace you. Oh, you know, over the years, um, I've had friends that have been ministers, and Keith, Amy, you as well, that have laid down their authority, right? Yielded to sin, laid down their authority, and lost, lost out. And, and, and some of you know people in, in the same way that, that they, they, were, they were going for it, they were, but, but at some point along the line, they laid it down, and the enemy came in. And, and that's just heartbreaking to me. Judas gave up his place um, in the spirit and his position. So we are called to live in a place. The second thing I want to look at today is that uh, we can forfeit our authority which we just touched on that a little bit. So Adam and Eve had the highest position of authority on earth. Look, look at, we're going to go back to Genesis just for a minute, and I want you to just see what happened here, and hopefully it all makes sense. Um, in, in, in Genesis 126, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. I think that would be cats. Um, I, I do cat jokes every year here. Didn't you know that? you got to come back next year. Um, then, the, then the Lord formally commissioned them. I don't hate cats, so don't send Pastor Keith an email. So I don't hate cats. As long as they're at your house. Um, so Genesis one twenty eight, God commissions them. And he sa it says, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So Adam is now placed in a position of authority over everything. The only thing under heaven or earth that was above his authority was God himself, right? And so um, it was literally the dominion of heaven um, on earth. 
does that ring, does that spark something in you? Remember how Jesus prayed and he said, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, let your kingdom come, right? It, God, Jesus was praying that that could be restored again like it had been. It had been lost, right? So under Adam, there was no crime. There was no disease, no politics, praise God, no earthquakes, no famine, no poverty, none of that, no corruption. There was nothing. It was, it was as God intended it, it was unbelievable. And God is going to restore that someday. So what was Adam's scheme? To displace Adam and Eve from the garden and gain lordship over them and over, and over everything that they ruled. So um, by Adam's willful choice to take of the fruit that God told him not to, and we know the story Eve was right in there, we see from that point on came the unraveling of everything that was under his authority because he yielded his place in the spirit to the enemy. And then you probably have never heard this or seen this before. This actually was so awesome. We see then Satan literally bragging about that to Jesus, who, by the way, we call the second Adam. And listen what he said to Jesus. This is all going to come together. He, it says, the devil said to him, when he was being tempted, remember that? He said, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. Who delivered it to him, God? Adam. And then he says, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Wow. Adam lost more than a position. All that was entrusted to him had been affected by his choices, and we witnessed the gradual decline of harmony and order in all of God's creation. The animal kingdom, for instance. Um, uh, lions were, were not dangerous. I mean, just imagine hanging. I'd, I'd have, like, the biggest lion. See, now that, that cat I could deal with, like with the big mane and all. I, I would love it like a cat. Um, snakes did not bite which I have a hard time believing. Snakes are just always have had to have been evil, right? Um, animals had no fear of each other and even humans. Try walking up to a wild animal. What do they do? They run. Why? You never, you never kicked a deer, did you? Did you ever kick that deer? And he's mad. No, they just, there's something in them. They're scared of humans, right? Um, and, and yet immediately after the fall, an innocent animal had to be sacrificed in order to clothe the sin of Adam and Eve, so animals were affected. Um, and then we go on to see fear between man and animal that, that, um, that had never existed before. In, in Genesis 9-2, it says, And the fear of you and the dread of you will be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, and all that moves on the earth, and all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hands. So we see that's why... Animals don't like being around us. There's something in them that's afraid of us, and it all goes back to the garden. Then we see the earth, for instance, um, and it says in, in Genesis 3:17, then Adam, then then to Adam he said, "Because of you, what you've, boy, if I could read it, it would be awesome. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, I'm not even going to comment, and have." Have, have eaten from, it might, I might need a ride home. I just might need a ride home. 
um, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it in all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. So nothing escaped. Just think about it. How hard is it for us to grow a green grass yard? The work that it takes, right? Fertilizing it. Killing weeds, mowing. It's, it's a lot of work to have something beautiful. How easy is it to grow weeds? My neighbor has it down. <laughs> I look forward to a day when God, uh, you know, re refurbishes the world and, and, and we're living in him and his, in his kingdom and all. I'm looking forward to where, you know, grass and flowers and beautiful things just grow naturally and there's no weeds at all. I mean, we, I, I say that in, in, a, in a joking way, but it, you see how it has affected everything. Then we see Adam's family. Um, his firstborn learned to hate, uh, learned to envy, and then ultimately murder. The enemy had taken the authority God had given for protection and provision and turned it against all creation. You know, could it ever be restored? Was there any hope? Could it ever uh, be brought back after that, that amount of damage? Well, because man had forfeited his position of authority that God gave him, it would have to take another man to restore it. Now, this is going to, this is great, and this is going to, uh, your theological minds are going to be um, excited right now, hopefully, and if not, that's fine. Um, from Genesis 1 to the time of Christ, only two, two people have ever had dominion over the earth. It was Adam and it was Satan because Adam had turned it over to Satan, right? Okay, so Jesus' dominion included heaven and earth, and we know that. So the genius of this, and this is so cool, um, Jesus' mother, Mary, was human. Would you agree with me? 100% human. So God, in the form of his son Jesus, was not 50% human and 50% God. He was 100% human and 100% God, correct? So, because he was fully man, fully human, um, he had the legal right to regain what was lost, the seed. It came through the seed, the miracle of the seed. That's why the enemy throughout the centuries always tried to destroy the seed. That's why all the babies uh, were killed around Egypt because of, of remember, through Moses. And, and you can go on and on and on and on. So that's pretty cool. But because Jesus was also fully God, he was not subject to the lordship of the enemy. So this is so awesome. So how could sins be forgiven in the presence of Jesus? Because sin has no dominion over Jesus. Isn't that cool? Sickness and death yielded to his authority. Nature itself submitted to his authority. Jesus walked in the authority that Adam had given up. And because he came in and restored it, you and I can now walk in it. That's a different way of living, isn't it? 
You know, a lot of times we, we say, oh, God, you know, deliver me from lust or deliver me from anger or deliver me from this or that. And, and, and we get mad at God because it seems like he's not doing it. There's things that in the Bible that he never said he was going to deliver us from. He said that we are supposed to put it to death. We're supposed to put it on the altar and kill it. So he's never gonna he's never gonna come in and do something that he told us that we need to do. We have dominion. We have authority. So for you and me, Satan wants to displace you uh, in order to regain the authority that Jesus had stripped from him. And he's gonna come after you every single day to get it back in your life. The third thing today is that you were designed for dominion. Check this out in Matthew 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus made a connection between his authority and our calling. And he goes on in Ephesians 1, 19, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he was raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places? So what is it saying? Jesus is trying to give us a heads up that our calling and his authority are like this, and that we function with a heavenly power that comes from heavenly places that we're supposed to dwell in. Now, this gets confusing because Paul talks a lot about us inhabiting heavenly places. And it's kind of like, well, I'm, I'm in earth. How can I live in heavenly places? But you're also not just human. You are a spiritual being, an eternal being. And so our spirit isn't necessarily always confined to the, the, to the realm of this physical body. We are, I can be here physically, but my spirit can be united by the Holy Spirit and God. I can walk in heavenly places and bring that, that authority to earthly places. I believe that when we walk into an ungodly environment, maybe it's your job, maybe it's a store, maybe it's a restaurant, whatever it might be, that our very presence before we even open our mouth should change the atmosphere in that place. Paul uses the word places and not just a place. It just has to do with, uh, it, it's, you know, we tend to think like, okay, a place, it, it's heaven. It's not just, no, no, it's here. There's, there, there's levels, there's situations. In Ephesians 2, 6, it says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What are these places and what position do they hold? In, in Ephesians 1, it says, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also uh, that which is to come. And so um, it, this, is, this is eternal, spiritual. This is exciting stuff. We've been even given a position as God's children above the devil. Check this out. Luke 10. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do we, do we live like that? No. If Satan can cause you to lay down your authority, he can once again operate in it, in your life. 
Ephesians 4, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So don't forfeit your place in the Spirit. In Psalm 8, and I'm kind of starting to come in for landing here. I know I've been jumping around and giving you a lot of, the, a lot of scriptures, but I want you to know this is biblically, scripturally based, this, this thought here today. And in Psalms 8, he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So as I um, want to call the band up and I want to start to kind of come in to closing here, I want to end with your territory because we've been talking about places and we've been talking about spiritual authority and we all have um, a territory that we are to watch over and the last verse I want to share today is 2nd Corinthians 10 um, verse 13 and it says we will not boast about things done outside of our area of authority we will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us so all of us have boundaries. We all have a lane. Modern-day language, we all have a lane we are to run in, right? Um, we are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you as if we had never visited you. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. So he's speaking to his church that they had planted there. He said, nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working. Then there will be no question of our boasting about work done in someone else's territory. So Paul is talking about his lane that he's been in. And Paul's talking about he understood the work that he was called to do. Pastor Keith and Pastor Amy understand their lane and the work that God has called them to do through Blaze Church, right? We all have a lane that we are to, to, to run in, and that, that those are our boundaries. So every one of us has a spiritual territory that we are entrusted with, that we are to watch over. And once we identify it, then we need to govern it. So your territory includes everything over which God wants you to take responsibility. So I'm just going to give you a short list here that, that uh, maybe this will help you uh, of what your territory includes according to God's word. Um, number one, yourself. Uh, your spirit, your mind, your will, emotions, your imagination, your body, your skills, your gifts, your purity, we are, we, we, we are to govern ourselves with the spiritual authority that we have. Does that make sense? How about your spouse, your relationships? We are to, to govern not over your spouse, but you're to govern that relationship. You are to, to lead it. You are to uh, walk in it in the, in the lane that God has called you to. How about your family? the values of your family, the culture of your family, the boundaries of your family. When we were raising young children, we, we put boundaries in place. And we, we, I remember there were other couples our age that had different convictions and different things that sometimes we, always, we weren't always the popular ones because we 
didn't want to do certain things because we just felt strong about the lane that we were supposed to walk in. That's not always easy, is it? Um, how about your money, your finances? It, it's, it's, it's governing and managing the resources that God has given you, being stewards of them, living insanely generous to people that have need and to God's kingdom. Um, how about your home? Keeping up your home, the maintenance of it, the, the management of it, the hospitality of your home so that people can come and your home's always a safe place, a place of peace. How about um, your possessions, like the managing all of your possessions, your job? Are you the best employee of the company that you work for? Do you work the hardest? Are you the most fruitful? If we were to talk to your boss and say, hey, how's, uh, how are they, you know, I, I remember early on, man, this is so bad. I would run into people that own companies and, um, and I'd run into them in places and, and, uh, and I, I remember I stopped doing this. But I remember, hey, you know, uh, John Smith or whatever. And, and I'd see the look on the boss's face. I go, oh, I shouldn't have said that name. <laughs> Do you know that your job is your place of ministry and you just happen to get paid for it and so you are responsible for the um for the atmosphere that you bring the influence that you bring to that job you might hate it and there might be someone uh, you know in the circle of people that work with that you can't stand because of their personality and they're always like going after you and all that but you don't know that that they're deflecting something that they're completely devastated on the inside and they see something in you and they're just going after you you're responsible for that. That's part of your spiritual authority. Your ministry. I got to tell you, man, all of you that help make this happen on a Sunday morning, I tip my hat to you. The amount of time we've done mobile church over the year, I, I know what it takes to set this up and then tear it down when everyone leaves. And most people that come in and sit, they have no idea, do they? Oh, this is nice. This is nice. But they don't know that an hour after they're gone, this place is back to the way it was, there's, a, there's, a, there's an amount of work. I, I tip my hat to all of you, the ministry team, and all of you that serve here. And then the last thing is your community. Um, I just think, um, my gosh, there are relationships in our community that we are to forge with people. So, um, so some of you might not know the history, but... Uh, so our church used to be called Lamb's Chapel. And, um, and I absolutely hated that name, by the way. Because try to talk to a construction guy, invite him to your church and say, what's the name of your church? Lamb's Chapel. And he looks at him like, all right, it's not what you think. So <laughs> the harbor is much more manly, manly man name. Um, so, um, so back in the day, Lamb's Chapel was, was involved in this huge Supreme Court case where they sued the Santa Maria School District, and they deserved everything that they got, honestly. The school district was being ridiculous and being biased towards, but that's another argument. But in the Christian circles, that was a huge win. I remember we were in Michigan. I was in ministry, and we were following this case from across the country, and we knew that if this case made it through the Supreme Court and we won, that it would open up 
the door to have after-school Bible studies and things in schools, and that all happened because of Lamb's Chapel versus Center Mauritius. So that was a huge case. So in Christian circles, everyone loved it. But do you know in our community in Center Mauritius, a lot of the, uh, most of the people in Center Mauritius hated it because they felt like their tax dollars went to this case and, it, and they lost. And so right or wrong, they, they've all had a kind of an edge towards Lamb's Chapel because of that. Now, we know why. They, they don't understand what went down and all that, but that's, that is the case, right? So my grandson plays eighth, eighth, he's eight years old, and he plays football. Um, and he probably will be the next Tom Brady, I'm, I'm just thinking. I don't know. Um, he's pretty good. But um, so I've been to every practice. I've been to every, every game, um, and I've gotten to know the coaches and and. Um, and a lot of the families and and so it's just been awesome um, to, to build relationships and, and it's funny the first month or so they wouldn't even come near us because they, they just thought well you're pastors of that church you know you know you just felt that vibe but they've gotten to know us we've got a sense of humor we actually laugh we actually tease each other it's been an awesome thing and football has been the has been the icing on the cake but it's much deeper than that right so I heard through one of the coaches that they were stressed out because they couldn't find a place to have their awards banquet at the end of the year. And they have like 200 people, and they were going to do it at Eastwind. It's just so expensive. And they were stressed. And I just said, hey, I, stupid idea, but um, why don't you use our building? And we won't charge you a dime for it. And so they came and walked through our building this week, and their minds were blown. And, and so in a couple of weeks, we're going to have about 200 people from the community that have never walked in the door of our church. And we're just, we're going to lay out the red carpet for them. We're going to make it the most awesome thing that they've ever seen. And, and so um, we are responsible. And, and the thing I'm, reason why I'm bringing this up is that 30 years ago, we were suing them in the Supreme Court. 30 years later, we're inviting them to come and have their, their thing at our church. The Red Devils, they're the Red Devils. We're inviting the Red Devils to come in and we're gonna stomp them in the ground now. So um, we are responsible for our, our communities, Amen. And, right? And we have spiritual authority. So as we start to develop and mature in Christ, you start to understand your lane and you start to understand your uh, territory and it's just it's just an incredible thing listen I, man i just pray that you walk in it that every one of us that we walk in it you can do it you don't have to wake up and think i'm just defeated already today because i just can't say I'm, I'm not strong enough to overcome no you're not strong enough to overcome the christian life is not hard to live it's impossible to live that's why we need a Savior. That's good. Amen? Yes. So um, could we stand and uh, I'm just going to close it like this because we have a little something we're going to do at the end of the service today. But just right where you're at today, how many God has spoken to you, he's put his finger on an area of your life, and you are like, you know what? There's, some, there's an area of my life or areas where I'm going to take it back and I'm going to start to I'm going to start to exercise the authority that God has given me. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Amen. See all of us, right? We can all say that. So as we worship in response to this, could we just, whatever that is in your life, 
just just start to talk to the Lord about it during worship and just say, God, I give this to you and I am now taking back in the spirit. I want to operate out of the place that I'm supposed to operate in. And, and, and I'm just gonna, Lord, it's all yours and I'm gonna start to function in my lane as you've called me to.